Before I preach this morning, I'd like you to do something. If you would kindly get this out, this little green sheet, it's in your news and notes. And we encourage you to write down some things as we go through the sermon today. Uh, verse by verse, I'm going to be giving you four points about the Lord's Supper. We're going to be talking about the Lord's Supper. And as we always say, um, what's written in lead stays in your head. <laughs> so yeah, we want to um, encourage you to go ahead and take some notes as we go through this Powerful, powerful text today. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The text for the meditation today is the same gospel reading you heard read just a few minutes before. So I want you to put yourself in the place of someone who is coming to church for the very first time. And they hear these weird words like invocation and sermon and Apostles' Creed. And maybe when they hear the words Apostles' Creed, they might say, who are the apostles and what is the creed? And are they, uh, are they related to Apollo Creed? <laughs> and stuff like that. I mean, that's some of the stuff that goes through people's minds when they come to a Lutheran worship for the first time. As you know, we've entitled this uh, sermon series, why do you do that? We've been talking about Lutheran worship and why it's so important and some of the essentials of Lutheran worship. And today we talk about the Lord's Supper, and I want you to think, what is the Lord's Supper all about? Let's again put yourself in the place of someone who is here for the first time who's never been in church, let alone been in a Lutheran worship service, and they hear this thing called the Lord's Supper. And maybe they wonder, who is the Lord and what is a supper? And if it's really a supper, are there mashed potatoes and gravy along with meat offered in this supper? And what are those little discs that you receive that look like Frisbees? And why do you receive wine? I thought Christians aren't supposed to drink alcohol. And on and on and on and on. Those are some of the questions people have. Now, you might have some questions too about what happens in the Lord's Supper. If I asked you to come up here and give a 10-minute speech about what the Lord's Supper is all about, could you do it? Probably not. And that's okay. So today we're going to be looking at four things regarding the Lord's Supper. How we come, and all of these are going to be up on the screen, how we come, what we receive, what we are when we receive it, and how we leave. How we come what we receive, what we are when we receive it, and how we leave. Let's look at the first one, how we come. Jesus celebrated the Lord's Supper on a night, Thursday night, before he was crucified. And he was celebrating with his disciples this thing called what? The Passover. And at the Passover, there was wine, there was unleavened bread, there was bitter herbs and spices, and there was lamb to eat, commemorating what happened in the first Passover, okay? So he celebrates the Passover with his disciples. All of a sudden, he takes the bread, passes it around, and says, take, eat, this what? Is my body. Then he takes the cup, and he passes it around. But before he does that, he said, take, drink. This is a new covenant in my blood. Listen to this, which is shed for you for what? The forgiveness of sins, 
Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, Pastor Dave, don't people have to repent before they receive the meal? And the answer is, without reservation, without doubt, absolutely, unequivocally, absolutely, yes, they must repent. And you might be saying, well, Pastor Dave, the disciples didn't repent that first night. No, they didn't. But Jesus could look into their hearts, and he could see the brokenness, the shatteredness, the error-prone lies, the sin of their life, and he knew they felt guilty. He could look into their hearts and see that they were filled with remorse. Otherwise, he would not have said, this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Now that leads us into why we come or how we come. We come with a penitent heart broken and shattered by our sin. We've obviously said in confession absolution that we can't confess every sin, known and unknown. But we lay it all before God and we say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And when we see that and when we say that, Jesus knows we are repentant. So we come with a repentant heart. But even more so, there's four questions. And I'm going to say them real fast. You won't have time to write them down. But they're up on the screen when we take communion. We ask ourselves four questions when we come. Am I sorry for my sins? Do I believe that Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior? Number three, do I believe the bread and wine doesn't represent or symbolize the body and blood of Christ, but is the body and blood of Christ? And number four, am I willing to turn around and live a different life, to amend my sinful life. So real simply put, how do we come? With a broken and repentant heart, believing in Christ. That's how we come. The disciples came in the same way, and so do we. How we come? Repentant of our sin, believing in Christ. That's the answer to that first question, how we come. Secondly, what do we receive. It's pretty powerful what we receive. Let's go back to the text. Jesus is celebrating the Lord's Supper with his disciples, but first he's celebrating the Passover, and he's instituting the Lord's Supper for the very first time. And he says these words, take, eat, this represents my body. This symbolizes my body. No, he said, this what? Is my body. Then he took the cup, blessed it. It means he said a prayer over it and said, take and drink. This is a new covenant in my blood shed for you for the remission of sins. This is my blood. Now, the amazing thing is, as they were receiving the body and blood of Christ, you don't hear the disciples saying to one another, now, wait a minute, how could this be, the bread and the wine for the Passover meal, be the body and blood of Christ? I mean, obviously, Jesus is right there. How can this be? We don't get it. We don't understand it, so we're not going to believe it. Do you understand everything about the Lord's Supper? And the answer is no. But do you believe it? Yes. Why? Because Jesus said it. And he's the son of God, 
and he performed miracles, was crucified, died, buried, raised again. If he says it, that settles it, and we believe it. And that's why the disciples didn't argue or debate with Jesus. Now, wait a minute. How can you be two different places at once? How can you be there and also in this? So, what were they receiving? They were receiving the body and blood of Christ in a supernatural way, ingesting the very presence of Jesus in a supernatural way. Now, they needed that. I really believe that had they not received this meal, the disciples may have bolted on the night that Jesus was apprehended. But it strengthened them for the next three days. And what did the next three days bring for the disciples? Oh, it's going to be tough. They would see Jesus go to the Garden of Gethsemane that night, be apprehended, be betrayed, be tried, the next day be crucified and buried. They would witness all of that. And during that time, their faith undoubtedly wavered. But they remembered something that happened on Thursday night in the upper room. They remembered the promises of Jesus. They remembered the presence of Jesus. They remembered that meal and that sustained them until they saw Jesus on Easter Sunday morning. Amen? And that's what it does for us. It sustains us for the journey. What do we receive? Not just bread and wine but the body and blood of Christ broken and spilled out on the cross for each and every one of us. And along with that, we are receiving, as God conveys it, the forgiveness of sins, the unconditional love of God. All of that is wrapped up in this powerful, mighty meal given to us in the Lord's Supper. And not only that, by the way, did Paul believe that the bread and wine symbolized or represented or was the body and blood of Christ? He said this, is not the bread we eat a participation in the body of Christ? Is not the cup we drink a participation in the blood of Christ? And so if we eat it or drink it in an unworthy manner, meaning we don't come to the table with a repentant heart, we're guilty of profaning the body and blood of Christ. So he was saying, there's power in this meal. What I'm saying is, there's power in this meal. And we're receiving the supernatural presence of Jesus and the supernatural power of Jesus in this meal. Power to love others as we are loved. Power to forgive others as we are forgiven. Power to walk in his ways. Power to obey his commandments. Power to tell others what he has done. Powers to live according to the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things we receive in this meal. So here's the deal. Why would you not want to come? And why would you not want to come every Sunday when you understand and believe and confess that this is not just any other supper? This is 
the Lord's Supper. Ingesting and taking in spiritual food. Receiving the forgiveness of sins and the very presence of Almighty God. That's what we receive, man. So, far be it from any of us to sit in a pew today answering those four questions with a yes and then saying, I don't need to go. Powerful stuff. So we've talked about how we come with a repentant heart. What we receive, the body and blood of Christ and the forgiveness of sins. We get that. And the presence and the power of God. Then what are we? What we are? Listen to this. This is, and I, I, I've never really thought of this until this week as I was doing my sermon prep. What then are we? Listen to this. Containers for Christ. When Jesus celebrated the Lord's Supper with his disciples the very first time, they were ingesting and taking in into their body the temple the dwelling place of Christ. They were taking into themselves the very presence of God. Their bodies became containers for the Christ. Your bodies become a dwelling place of God when you receive this meal. A temple of Christ. A container for the Holy One. That's powerful. St. Paul said it best when he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I who live, but listen to this, but Christ lives in me. He was saying my body is a temple of Christ, a container for the Holy One, the dwelling place of God, and so is yours. That's what we are. I, I don't know, some of you are baby boomers. Remember when they used to give toys out in, in cereal boxes, remember that? And it frustrated me so much because there were like four or five different options and the most expensive toy went into about one out of every thousand cereal boxes, right? And what would you do? You'd, my mom wouldn't let me grab to the bottom of the cereal because that was gross, you know? So I'd eat that cereal like crazy, like crazy, like crazy, like crazy, morning, evening, and night to get to the bottom of the box to get my little toy. And oftentimes I was disappointed what was in the container. We can never be disappointed with Jesus Christ who's in the container. Amen? How can we ever be disappointed with that? As we take in the very presence of God through the bread and wine of communion. This is another image I want you to think of, that when you go about your week, you live for the Lord, but you mess up. You live for the Lord, but you mess up. You live for the Lord, but you mess up. And then you come through the doors, and it's kind of like a, a car that is out of gas. How many of you, no show of hands, when you come to church, you feel like you're out of gas, spiritually? And you come to this place, 
and you receive the proclamation that your sins are forgiven. You receive the proclamation of the word of God. You receive the body and blood of Christ and the bread and wine of communion. And your tank is filled and you leave with joy. Filled up with the presence of God. Why? Because our bodies are containers. For the Holy One. So we've talked about how we come, what we receive, what we are, containers for the Holy One of God, Jesus Christ, and then finally, how do we leave? How do we leave? Let's go back to the text. So the disciples receive this meal. They don't argue and debate with Jesus what it is. They understand that because Jesus said it, that settles it. I believe it. I've ingested in the bread and wine of this meal the body and blood of my Savior, Jesus. I believe they were filled with incredible joy. And listen to this. They sang a hymn before going to the Mount of Olives. Now, what happened that night? They went to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus was apprehended. And yet, before that ever occurred, together they sang a hymn, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Did they sing the hymn, Go to Dark Gethsemane? Probably not. <laughs> but they sang a hymn. Why, when we leave, do we oftentimes sing a song when we're done with Holy Communion? Thank the Lord and sing His praise. Tell everyone what he has done, let all who seek the Lord rejoice and proudly bear his name. He recalls his promises and fills his people up with joy, with shouts of thanksgiving, hallelujah, hallelujah. We often sing a hymn of praise when we leave this place too. Is that biblical? Yes, the disciples did it too. And so this meal empowered them. And the presence of Jesus strengthened them. And so it is with us. So when we leave this place, we leave with a joy in our heart, a bounce to our step, and a willingness to tell people that they need Jesus Christ too. My wife and I are movie buffs, and our son right now is at a youth conference, and so we've had a wonderful, don't tell my we've had a wonderful weekend together. Don't tell him that. But it's kind of like a foretaste of the feast to come, empty nest, you know what I mean? It's been awesome. We've watched movies together, and some of the movies we've seen, I would not recommend, you know, because it's just not a lot of good stuff out there. But oftentimes when I look at those characters and the emptiness of their lives, I know it's just a movie, but I think, man, that guy needs Jesus badly, right? The thing he's struck, we saw Bohemian Rhapsody, not recommend it. Freddie Mercury was an amazing singer. But man, oh man, he needed Jesus badly. What I'm saying is when we leave this place, empowered by Christ, receiving his body and blood, strengthened by the forgiveness of sins, we go out into the real world in contact with people who need Jesus desperately. What do we sing at the end of communion so often? Thank the Lord and sing his praise. Tell everyone what? What he has done. That's how we leave. Empowered by the Spirit, ready to tell the story. 
About 10 years ago, a young man by the name of Scott, that's not his real name, called me on the phone and told me that he was possessed, he thought, by a demon. And he was quite sure of it. He said, Pastor Dave, he said, I have asked God to fix my marriage, and he hasn't. I have asked God to give me a new job, and he hasn't. I have asked God to heal my grandma of cancer, and he hasn't. I really don't think that God exists. And so I made a pact with the devil, with the demon, to come into my life and give me power. And he gave me power for sure. But everything I saw with the power of this demon living inside of me was evil and dark and wicked. And I've been living that way now for three months. And I realize I made a horrible mistake. But I can't shake this evil presence. Can I see you tomorrow? It happened to be a Saturday, Saturday night when he called me and I said, absolutely. Pastor Larry, some of you remember him, was preaching that particular Sunday. So I told him the, the scenario that Sunday morning. I said, I'm going to be meeting with this guy. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it. But he's going to come in at 8 and we're going to visit for a while. And for the first time in my life, Larry, I may be carrying out an exorcism. So the young man came into my office on a Sunday morning, 8 o'clock. Pastor Larry was doing the service. And he told me the story once again. And suddenly I sensed the very presence of God upon me. And I said, Scott, I'm going to exercise this demon. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to cast it out. And we prayed. And then I laid my hands on him. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out. And right then, this is weird stuff I know. Lutherans don't normally do this, right? Isn't that what you're thinking? Okay. And right then, there was this huge exhalation that came from his lungs, like, and then he was motionless for about 30 seconds. He said, I, I feel better. I don't feel that evil presence anymore. I think Jesus has replaced it. And he said, Pastor Dave, when your hand was on me, your hand was hot. Did you feel that? I said, no. He said, well, it was. And then we wept together. We prayed together. And I read scripture to him once again as he reaffirmed his faith, allegiance, and devotion to Jesus Christ. And then we embraced once again. And we're walking down the hall. Listen to this. And you guys were celebrating the Lord's Supper. And much like the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8, he said, what's to prohibit me from partaking in that? I said, nothing. And I asked him the four questions. Are you sorry for your sins? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that Christ is present in this meal? And are you willing to live a changed life? And he said, I am, Pastor Dave. Then we came down the aisle, and together, with tears, we received the Lord's Supper. He walked out of this place as a high as a kite. And he left that lifestyle completely behind. I want to tell you, there is power in the Lord's Supper. How do we come 
broken by our sin. What do we receive? The body and blood of Christ and the forgiveness of sins. What are we then? The vessels, the containers for the Holy One. And how do we leave? Sharing the gospel with everyone we meet. That's why this meal is so significant and powerful. Amen? And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.